We're recording this on Saturday, September 19th at 11 a.m. So by the time you hear this, Steven Stamkos might be back from his injury. That's right. Tampa's so good, you forgot that Steven Stamkos plays for them. Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, the hockey show that Googled, is Dallas good? Right before this episode, I'm Darren Plett, and joining me is Stuart Jones. Hi, Stu. Hey, Darren. How much hockey did you watch? Um, I'm pretty sure I saw some of it, but I can't remember any of it for some reason. So this is going to go real well. Well, the results are in, so I guess we can see how we did. How are the predictions looking, Stu? Um, not bad, I guess. But when there's only two options, you know, getting 50-50 isn't really great either. Not bad, I guess, has been our prediction motto for this entire playoffs. Yeah. Uh, what we can say for sure is uh, Bandit the dog let us down a little. <laughs> or let Come me on. down anyway. Come on, Bandit. Yeah, so I guess let's start in the East. Uh, we both had Tampa winning. I thought it was going to be in five. You thought it was going to be in six. And they won it in six. So yes. we were both right. You were even more right. So the most well right. done. Thank you. You are clairvoyant. I definitely, if I remember back to last, last episode, I definitely picked that not on the spot. And I just absolutely <laughs> had every every base covered. I knew what was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I guess we'll talk a bit more about that series in a minute. But uh, over in the West, we both thought Vegas was going to win. <laughs> I thought they were going to win in six. You thought they were going to win in seven. Dallas surprised us on multiple fronts and ended up beating Vegas in only five games. Well, it's sort of embarrassing for us, but it's got to be more embarrassing for Vegas, I guess. I, like we, I talked them up so much as just like world crushing machine, and they <laughs> went out in less games than the Flames did to the same team. So I don't know what to think anymore. Yeah, now that you mention that, I think there's a pattern here that all of the teams that we talk of highly <laughs> immediately get eliminated. So either we should stop that or choose different teams to talk of. <laughs> Probably. We're about to curse someone horribly at the end of this episode, I have a feeling. Yeah, maybe so. So I guess with the West on the mind, let's talk about that series first. Uh, Darren, I, I am perplexed i don't know if you can help me understand but how and or why is dallas winning still i i'm not sure they might have a an idea but as i was like formulating my i guess post-mortem on vegas i i was looking into dallas and did you know tyler sagan hasn't scored in nine games He's okay. he's arguably wow. their best scorer, or he's supposed to be. He's paid like it, and he hasn't scored in nine games. And it's just, I guess it doesn't matter to them. Um, Dallas seems to have sort of a secret recipe of, you know, the, you know that playoff recipe that you kind of have in the back of your mind? There's that playoff nobody that comes into existence. You learn his name in the playoffs as he's busy mm -hmm. dominating other teams, and he's like on the third line. Well, Dallas has that. His name is Yoel Kirivanta. He's an undrafted Finnish player who just showed up in the playoffs. 
he had a hat trick in the Avs in the elimination game against the Avalanche. He got the tying goal in this elimination game against the Vegas, the Vegas against the Golden Knights that sent it to overtime. This guy literally came out of nowhere and is basically providing a massive spark for this team. And when you think about past playoffs, that is kind of a theme, you know, like Pat Maroon for St. Louis last year. That's, you know, that was kind of his role come out of his third, fourth line role and help carry his team to victory. So Dallas has that. They have that unflappable goalie and it's, not Ben Bishop, who is their who is their number one goalie, their very highly paid goalie. In fact, it's Anton Hudobin, their backup, who's just who's just won. And uh, I saw a stat that says he's eight and zero in games where there's more than thirty shots against him. So when he's a busy boy in net, he he plays harder. You know, to quote. I think it's Timon. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Uh, I'll, I'll add to the Hadobin um, fanfare. Yeah, you're right. With the whole, you know, 30-plus saves games, he's dominant. He's had quite a few, obviously, because he's actually eclipsed 500 saves uh, in the postseason. And this, this, these stats are as of game four, so I didn't do the math for game five. I apologize. But <laughs> he had 527 saves so far this year and that's the third most by a dallas or minnesota star uh, goaltender in a single playoff year uh he's just behind eddie belfort who uh has is on there twice <laughs> with 574 and 606 so if hadobin keeps doing what he's doing and uh tampa shoots a lot you know we might see a, a new record here for that franchise yeah, normally when you hear that a team's backup goalie is, you know, starting for them in the playoffs, you think, oh, good, they're vulnerable. But that has not been the case with Hudobin. He is just, he's been a like a brick wall for Dallas and Nett. And I can attest <laughs> watching, you know, every game against Calgary, he looks every bit a starting goaltender. So uh, I guess good for him. Uh, he's going to be a unrestricted free agent at the end of this year like so many goalies and i think he's put his name out there as someone who can really be valuable to a team so he probably gonna get paid by somebody just thanks to this playoff run essentially so uh i guess dallas is benefiting greatly off of that um and my other part of the recipe is they have that comeback mojo which they had comeback a uh, comeback overtime win against the Flames where they tied it up with 11 seconds left and then and then won in overtime that hurt to say but I got through it uh they had a comeback <laughs> comeback overtime win against the Avalanche and now they have one against the Golden Knights in the elimination game they were down to nothing they came back Kiravanta tied it up and then they won in overtime so that's that x factor I I hate buzzwords like that but I'm going to use it cuz it's available they have that X factor of, you know, that's something you can't really quantify, but they just keep coming back for some reason. It might be s somebody in the room is really good at motivating them, or it might be the coach. I don't know, but uh, they, they're never out of it. And uh, I, for my part, I think it probably has to do with guys like Joe Pavelski and Corey Perry. They're veteran players who have seen a lot of playoff games and they're still 
pretty good. Uh, I assume they provide lots of knowledge and leadership and a lot of gumption to the stars. That's probably part of their secret mojo recipe is those two guys, if I had to guess. And uh, I'm assuming they're going to be playing a pretty big role in the cup final as well. So that's honestly, that's what I got on Dallas. I, <laughs> I might be wrong on most of that, but they've got that weird playoff secret sauce mix that seems to come around, you know, never say die attitude, grizzled veterans that have been there before random playoff heroes that come like come to play and a goalie that seems unflappable. Even if he's the unlikely goalie in this scenario, he's still killing it out there. So for me, that's, that's what has gotten Dallas this far. Yeah, so if I were to summarize, it is secondary scoring, uh, unflappable backup goalie, and uh, unwillingness to die even when you're behind. Yeah. Uh, that hurts. Those are some amazing <laughs> traits that I would have loved to see in Alberta hockey over the past <laughs> few years. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah no, coming to think of it, hmm, might not have any of those things. <laughs> yeah well before we get too depressed shall we move on to the east (laughs) yeah let's do that so this one was i guess based on our predictions anyways less of a surprise again tampa ended up winning it in six Uh, again i you know i had made fun of myself when i kept underestimating the islanders but i wanted to do it again one more time (laughs) the islanders did, in my mind, upset quite a few teams their course uh, on the way to Tampa, but just couldn't get past Tampa. So what do you think it was? Is Tampa just that good, or are the Islanders just not there yet? Uh, Well, I think it's both of those things. Tampa's just overwhelming at times. Like, they can be overwhelming. I don't think they are 100% of the time, but they have the talent to be, especially on offense. Like, they... When you look at their lines that are put together, they just have great offensive players all the way through, and some of them are excellent defensive forwards as well. And you kind of go down the roster and think, oh, man, how are you supposed to stand up to that? Um, And the Islanders did pretty well. Like, they, they did take two games from Tampa, and like you said, they beat some very good teams before they got there. But to me, the Islanders are the epitome of that that underdog mentality grit and grind team that shouldn't be there based on their talent. Uh, They have talented players like every team, but Tampa just has exponentially more so. And Barry Trotz, the coach of the Islanders, I think really helped them get there through that pack mentality, that underdog mentality, that uh, scrape for everything you get. But to me, unless you're the 04 Flames, that eventually comes to an end, and I, I know, I guess the 04 Flames didn't win the cup. I'm told it was definitely <laughs> in, but there's very few teams that can have that mentality and get all the way and win. So that's what the Islanders were to me, and that's why they didn't make it. But the other reason they didn't make it is because they ran into Tampa. And like I said, they're deep. They're ridiculously talented. Seven games is too many for them to not beat a team like the Islanders. And I wanted to focus on Victor Hedman because Braden Point, who I think I talked about last week, is the one getting all the attention. But Victor Hedman just 
I'm not going to say flies under the radar because he really doesn't. But in this playoffs, he might be a little bit just because of how good his teammates have been. The guy's always in Norris Trophy contention for the best defenseman in the league. Like every year, basically, since he's been in the league. And I think as a fan of a team in the West who doesn't watch the Eastern teams as much, I kind of just scroll by his name and I'm like, yep, Victor Hedman. Yeah, it makes sense, I guess. But I don't really watch him play that often. And watching him play now, it makes perfect sense why he's always a Norris Trophy candidate. He's in these playoffs alone. He's got 15 points in 19 games as a defenseman. He's constantly shutting down the other team's best players. That's his job. He's the best defenseman on the team. So he's constantly playing against the other team's top line. He plays the most minutes by quite a fair margin. He had two minutes of ice time over his defense partner and much more than that over the rest of the pairings, mostly because he plays on the power play and the penalty kill. And he has some really good advanced stats. Like he had some really high Corsi. He had some really high puck possession. He had really high uh, chance of his shots getting through and his teammate shots getting through to the net when he was on the ice, stuff like that. So he's just always a positive impact. Uh, he, the one thing that gets me is not a stat or anything like that. Victor Hedman is six foot six and he skates like the wind. He skates like, uh, like <laughs> a swift forward who is half his size. It's so weird to watch when you see him standing beside somebody, you expect him to skate like Chara <laughs> who is uh, 42 <laughs> and six foot nine, <laughs> but he's, he's a really fast, really talented defenseman. And, uh, in many ways, I think he holds that team together. Uh, mm. Tampa's just super talented in so many aspects, but when when he gets injured, which is unfortunately for them a little more frequently than they would like, uh, their record generally takes a, a pretty solid hit. Like He is a very important part of that team, and I think watching some of the games against the Islanders has helped me appreciate that more than just seeing him on a Norris ballot all the time. Yeah, there's, there's no question that Tampa is a dominant team in so many regards, obviously in scoring and such, but as you've pointed out with Hedman, incredible defense as well. So it wasn't again, too surprising in my mind that they were able to, finally shut down the the fighting islanders as they were i also think they're they're just a, a fun good team to watch too so uh i know it dallas tampa doesn't sound like the most marketable stanley cup finals but uh, i'm actually kind of looking forward to this one so we'll see how it goes but uh, i do have to ask you darren with tampa going into the stanley cup finals here just how many 2004 references should i prepare myself for <laughs> <laughs> well given that i was only hang on let me do the math uh 12 years old at the time probably not that many uh, I, don't, oh, okay. I don't really re remember much about the 04 run i've read lots about it but uh i, I don't think you have to expect too many references about that I, i'll try to keep it all right because when the first one came up, I thought, oh, man, that was sooner than I expected. And, but we'll see how many more come, I guess. My 04 references are really limited, too. It was in, as with most Flames fans who have kind of suppressed a lot of that from their memory. We do what we can to survive, right? Right. 
Now it is time for Sellies and Scorn. Stu, you should pick one of yours to lead us off. All right, I'll start uh, with my Selly. So the Selly uh, has a little bit of background. The Selly is kind of in several parts, I guess, but oh. still pretty quick. Basically, for those of you who haven't heard, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights as a team, uh, ever since they got to the bubble in Edmonton, have been buying pizzas for the homeless in Edmonton uh, every week, uh, the whole time they were there. Then, obviously, for some odd reason, Dallas got good at hockey and eliminated <laughs> Vegas from the playoffs. So they decided to, you know, go home. <laughs> There's no point in staying in Edmonton if you don't need to. <laughs> Realize that sounded harsh. <laughs> but anyways, uh, after they've left, they're no longer doing this, obviously. But a few Vegas fans have decided, you know what, let's keep this going. I don't know for how long, maybe the rest of the playoffs. They're like, hey, let's continue to buy pizzas for the uh, for the Edmonton homeless. And so not to be out Canadian, the Edmonton Oilers fans are now saying, you know what, these guys are being way too nice. We're the ones who are supposed to be nice. So now they're setting up a system to start buying pizzas for the homeless in Vegas. I think that's just a really cool story of a, how a team does some really cool things, you know, fairly under the radar. Obviously every team has their initiatives and stuff that they advertise a lot of. This one was fairly under the radar. So a really cool Sally there fans taking up the baton to continue it after the team left. Really cool there. And then more fans from another city. One could argue a rival city, although not exactly equal rivals. (laughs) Uh, one from a rival city taking up the baton to uh, help the other city out. So I thought that was really a cool story. So triple Selly for all those people involved. Imagine if the Oilers were as competitive as their fans are over charity. Like the Flames and Oilers fans <laughs> had a had a bit of a charity battle earlier this year, if I remember correctly. And now Oilers fans saw another team's fans getting in on charity and they thought, we can't let this stand. We have to beat them. <laughs> I think that they should try to rub some of that off on the actual Oilers players. My cell is actually also kind of a news story, I guess, for this podcast, but I rolled it into a celly for convenience as well. Uh, Jeff Ward is officially the Flames head coach. He lost the interim tag. The Flames have hired him on as the actual head coach. Um, a lot of people aren't treating this as a celly in Calgary. I think there's a lot of grass is greener mentality where there was other head coaches available and since they they weren't in calgary they seemed like a lot better option but i for one am fully on board with jeff ward he took over the team in a really awful situation after they had to let go bill peters and he took the team to a 24 and 15 record that's good that's just that's a very basic stat that everyone can understand. 24 wins, 15 losses. That's very good. Uh, apparently, according to all sources, the players absolutely love him. Uh, Milan Lucic in particular, who played for him before in Boston, has very expressly spoken about how much he and the other players like Ward. Yeah, truth be told, I think Jeff Ward did make some mistakes in the playoffs, including pulling Talbot in the elimination game. But... You have to look past that. That's the freshest memory we have of Jeff Ward as a coach, and I think that's a big reason why people aren't super on board with this. But, again, he had a great record. The players love him. 
there were more experienced coaches available, but I think Jeff Ward knows this team, and now he actually gets a chance to have an offseason to plan, to come back, to really mold this team after what I hope to be like an actual training camp. He gets to take a bit more of a breather from the weirdness and have more of a normal coach experience. Let's put it that way. So I'm happy that we have Jeff Ward as the head coach full-time. I'm excited to see if he can continue that really good record of 24 and 15 and kind of keep that rolling into whenever we get a new regular season. All right. Well, my scorn is uh, pretty quick. And actually I, I kind of love this thing, but it's, it's just a score because it's kind of a shake your head sort of thing. Uh, basically, Barry Trotz caught a puck from the bench. And as he does in normal circumstances, threw it over the glass to the fans. <laughs> but obviously, there's zero fans these days. So basically, he just threw the puck back to an empty bleacher <laughs> and it just dropped. And then it made some guy have to go collect it basically. So I just thought that was a funny story. I left. I loved it. I don't actually hate Barry Trotz for any reason because of this, but I wanted to share it anyway. So that's my score. Come on, Barry. Think before you toss pucks randomly. I saw that and I couldn't decide whether he was doing it on purpose for a laugh or if it's just that much of a habit. <laughs> it was very funny. <laughs> My score is one that I think a lot of people around the league have, and I don't think I've I've talked about it before, or you might have, but it's a little bit fuzzy in my memory. But my score is for the puck over the glass penalty. It's not necessary. I I haven't really hated it until now, and I, I like. I'm not a big fan of Vegas or anything, but they took a puck over glass penalty in the elimination game in overtime um, undrafted rookie Zach Whitecloud, who's been a real good story for them this playoffs he took the penalty just you know it was an incidental play he wasn't even really trying to clear the puck he just kind of whacked at it and it went over the glass and Vegas lost on that penalty kill in overtime and got eliminated from the playoffs and Whitecloud in the penalty box looked like he was crying and it was very you know you feel for him because he's an undrafted rookie that got his chance in the playoffs and then in his mind he cost his team the entire series on the absolute stupidest penalty because it's not like he made a mental mistake and and had a lapse judgment and did a bad trip or hooked somebody or interference or something like that he just was trying to get the puck out he's a defenseman so it's just such a stupid penalty and it's so the problem with it is it's so easily solved just make it icing rules that it's the same concept anyway if a player's purposely dumping the puck over the glass it's because they want to get off the ice same with icing you know if if that's the reason they're dumping the puck over the glass, then just make it so they don't get a change. The face-off's in their end, and you don't have to get a penalty from it because, uh, honestly, that that really exposed just how bad that penalty is with that whole overtime situation. So that's my score, and the puck over the glass penalty. Nobody likes it, and it's an easy fix, NHL. Okay, well... Now is our last chance to uh, redeem ourselves, I guess, in the predictions realm. 
we only have one shot at it, though. So high stakes. Tampa versus Dallas, Stanley Cup Finals. Darren, what do you think is going to happen here? Well, I'm going for the shock value pick first, I think. I'm taking Dallas in six. They've been giant slayers up till now. They've taken down the Avs, who we've talked up like crazy. They've taken down Vegas, who we've talked up like crazy. Uh, why not do the same to Tampa? Why not? They like they've made dispatching Vegas and Colorado look relatively easy. So Tampa, I think they can do the same. And this is just based off what Dallas has been doing. I know Tampa's great, but I refuse to pile on the praise and watch them get defeated by Dallas again. So Dallas and their weird underdog mojo and grizzled vets and non-existent Tyler Sagan, they're going to get that cup in six games. What do you think, Stu? Yeah, now now that you present it like that, uh, you know, all the teams that we've talked up uh, get beat. And we've definitely talked up Tampa today and as well as in other episodes too. So you might be right. Uh, now I should say before I state my prediction though, that I have not conferred with bandit. <laughs> he, uh, I believe he let me down last time. So I'm going on my own gut instinct. I do think it's going to be very close. <laughs> I think it's going to seven regardless, honestly. And I'm really hesitating on this now because, you know, once you get to seven, anything can happen. I still think I'm going to go with Tampa. I think Dallas is amazing. They're going to fight back. They're going to make it very difficult. It's going to be a fun series to watch, I think. Again, like I said, not very marketable, but uh, I'm going to enjoy it. And I think it's going to go the distance. But I think in the end, Tampa is going to uh, win. So that's my view. We'll see what happens. If it makes you feel better, you have the entire athletic staff, the athletic being the uh, sports article website that I read. Uh, in their staff predictions, they have 82% in favor of Tampa and 17% in favor of Dallas. So uh, I feel like I'm coming in with the underdog pick, but I'm still confident just seeing what Dallas has done in the playoffs up to this point. Well, that's fair. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Battle of Alberta podcast. As usual, please make sure you rate, like, and subscribe to us. To get our name out there a little bit more, you can visit us at www.thebattleofalbertapodcast.com. And we'll be back after the Stanley Cup final to let you know who won the Stanley Cup, just in case somehow you missed it. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.